Hello, and welcome to the Thinking Jew Podcast, where we dive deep into Torah and Judaism to uncover its hidden beauty. Come join us as we take a closer look and breathe new life into traditional Jewish ideas. And now, here's your host, Rabbi Moshe Siegel. Hello and welcome to episode 61. I'm really excited to share a very deep and beautiful idea with you today. We recently began the Jewish month of Adar Aleph, or the first Adar. And that's because this year there's actually two months of Adar, which is what happens whenever there is a Jewish leap year. Basically, seven out of every 19 years, we add an entire 13th month to the Jewish calendar, and we call this in Hebrew Ashana Me'uberes, or the Jewish leap year. So I want to spend our time together today uncovering a deeper perspective of the Jewish leap year and really bring out what it represents. I think the best place to start is with understanding the practical role of the leap year and how it's different from the secular leap year, and we'll take it from there. The secular or Gregorian calendar is a solar calendar, which means that it's based on the relationship between Earth and the Sun. The amount of time it takes the Earth to complete one orbit around the Sun is approximately 365.24 days. So the Gregorian calendar has 365 days in a year. And to make up for that extra quarter of a day, because like we mentioned, it's really a little more than 365, we add one extra day every four years. Now, the Jewish calendar is a lunisolar calendar, meaning it's based on Earth's relationship with both the sun as well as the moon. Now, this creates a bigger problem because the Earth completes its cycle with the sun in roughly 365 days, like we mentioned. But the moon only completes its monthly cycle in approximately 29 and a half days, which means if you take 12 lunar months, or 12 times 29 and a half, it comes out to only 354 days. So there's an 11-day difference between the lunar year and the solar year. So to make up for this discrepancy, in the Jewish calendar, we add an extra month in 7 out of every 19 years to balance Earth's cycle with both the sun and the moon. So on a practical level, the Gregorian calendar adds in one day every four years to balance Earth with the Sun, while the Jewish calendar adds in one month every two or three years to balance Earth with both the Sun and the Moon. Now that we understand the practical difference, let's dive a little deeper into the Jewish sources on it. The Talmud teaches us a few very interesting things about the Jewish leap year. Firstly, in Tractate Sanhedrin 12a, the Talmud teaches that the only month that we're allowed to double for a leap year is the month of Adar, which is the month we're currently in. Like we said, we're in Adar Aleph, the first Adar. And this is very strange to me, because first of all, why do we have to double any month? Why don't we just add a 13th month? Why do we have to have Adar A and Adar B? And secondly, even if it does have to be a repeat month, what is special about Adar, that only Adar can be doubled for a leap year and not any other month? Another fascinating observation about leap years is the description that both the Talmud and the Midrash both use to refer to it. If you look in Tractate Subis, as well as in the Medrash of Pirkei Rebeliezer, it refers to the calculations of the leap year as the Sod Ha'ibor, which means the secret of the leap year. 
And this word sod or secret is a very strange term. There are many mitzvahs that we don't know the reason behind them. But our sages don't refer to them as a secret. And even more so here, when it's seemingly mathematical. Granted, you need a strong background in astronomy and you need to really know math well. But in the end of the day, it's solvable. So what's the great secret? Why did our sages refer to the calculations of the leap year as a great secret? So to summarize our questions, why do we need to double any month? Why not have a 13th month? And if we do have to double a month, why is other specifically the only one we're allowed to double? And lastly, why do our sages refer to it as a secret? So let's try to put everything together here. We began by explaining that the Jewish leap year unifies the cycles of the sun and the moon. What does that mean on a deeper level? What do the sun and the moon represent? In Jewish thought, the sun always represents the physical, natural, scientific world. It functions in perfect cyclical motion and its appearance never changes. It's the same day in and day out. It rises in the east, sets in the west. It's a classic example of perfect natural order. The moon, on the other hand, represents the world of spirituality. The moon is dynamic. It appears to constantly be changing. It waxes and wanes. It has highs and lows. It's more visible, less visible. Unlike the cyclical nature of the physical world, which seems to just be in motion, the moon represents the growths and falls of spiritual development. So if we were to apply this to the concept of leap years, the Gregorian calendar only associates with the sun. It's only connected to the physical, scientific world. But in Jewish thought, we understand and we know that that very same physical world has a parallel spiritual world behind it. So we don't just build our calendar around the world of the sun, but rather we connect it to the patterns of the moon as well. And this is the great secret that the Talmud and Midrash were referring to. The Jewish leap year brings together these two worlds. And it's not just that we acknowledge both the physical and spiritual worlds, but the secret is that we recognize that in fact they're actually one in the same. They work in perfect harmony. That's the great secret of the Jewish leap year. Even though the physical world sometimes appears to be such an ungodly place, so devoid of spiritual direction, so lost, in fact, it's exactly where God wants it. And even if we don't always see it like that, the secret of the Jewish leap year is that in reality, it's so completely in sync with its spiritual backdrop. And this is why only the month of Adar can be a leap year. In the Torah, the Jewish year begins with Nisan, in which God openly performed many miracles throughout the Exodus process. Nisan represents the revealed spiritual world. But Adar, the twelfth month, the furthest from Nisan represents the opposite. Other is the month that Moses died in as well. It's a month of distance from revealed spirituality. But other also is symbolized by the story of Purim, a story in which although the name of God doesn't appear even once explicitly in the Megillah, God appears to be hidden, but when you take a step back and you look at the whole story, it's clear that God was running the show the entire time. Purim is one of the greatest examples of how even when the physical world looks like it's gone mad, 
It looks so ungodly. It looks like Haman is about to destroy the entire Jewish nation. In reality, it's exactly where God wants it, which is the essence of the Jewish leap year. In one moment, God can turn everything around and we'll see how really the spiritual world was walking hand in hand with the physical world the entire time. And this is really the message I wanted to share with you today. Even when the world looks crazy and off kilter, the Jewish leap year reminds us that God has a plan and he's actively doing it right now. And I was planning on ending here, but there's one more connected idea that is just so incredible that I feel like I have to share it as well. If I were to ask you, whose life in the Torah reflects this idea of the Jewish leap year? Who lived a life that looked so ungodly, so grim, so unfair, yet all of a sudden it turned around and became so obvious that God was really running a parallel storyline the entire time? I'm sure you're thinking of Joseph. He was sold by his brothers, became a slave in Egypt. He was then framed and thrown into jail. Terrible life circumstances. Where is God in all of this? Then all of a sudden, Pharaoh has a dream. Joseph's taken out of prison. He ascends to leadership over all of Egypt. And all of a sudden, you see how everything was divinely orchestrated so that he can literally support the entire world and specifically his father, brothers, and all their families. So Joseph's life shares this common denominator with the concept of the leap year. Now listen to this amazing thing. The Tur, who's the predecessor of the Code of Jewish Law, writes that the three festivals we have on the Jewish calendar correspond to our three patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And the 12 months of the year correspond to the 12 tribes. And sure enough, you could have guessed it, which tribe corresponds to Adar? It's Joseph. Joseph shares this deep connection of being thrown away from the open, revealed spirituality and then eventually revealing that no matter how far you thought you were from there, in reality, God was right next to you the entire time helping you, even though you didn't notice it. Now listen to this last amazing piece from Rabbi Levi Yitzchak of Berdichev, and I'll end with this. We mentioned in episode 57 that Joseph's two children, Menashe and Ephraim, got upgraded to tribal status. Before Jacob died, he gave the two of them a special blessing and made them into two separate tribes. In the desert, they had two separate encampments. They were represented by two different tribal leaders, etc. So Ablevi Yitzchak says an amazing thing. He says, just like Joseph was split into two tribes, that's why Adar also gets split into two. Just like Joseph expresses this concept that within his physical life there are really two worlds coexisting in harmony together, so too Utter gets split representing that exact same idea. What an amazing idea brought out by Rablevi Yitzchak of Berdichev. So just to recap what we said, the Jewish leap year synthesizes the cycles of the sun and the moon, representing how in reality God is directing our world from behind the scenes. And in fact, our world is directly moving in a more godly spiritual direction right now. And this is the lesson that we learned from the Purim story, and this is the lesson that we learned from the life of Joseph, both of who are represented by the month of Adar, the only month that can be doubled as a Jewish leap year. This concludes this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I want to wish everyone a very happy and joyous month of Adar. 
Thank you for listening to the Thinking Jew podcast and for taking the time to study Torah and deepen your connection to Judaism. If you found value in today's episode, please leave us a rating or review and subscribe to the podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or topic requests for Rabbi Moshe, please email the Thinking Jew podcast at gmail.com or visit thethinkingjew.com.